Station in North Georgia. It's 8.30 and time once again for the Bible Broadcast with Evangelist Keith Allison. Well, greetings, friend, and welcome again to the Bible Broadcast. Let me say what a real blessing and honor it is to be on the radio bringing another message from the good Word of God. I do want to say that it is such a uh, an honor that God has given me to have the, this broadcast ministry, and I'm honored that you would allow me to come into your home, your automobile, or a place of business sharing the good Word of God. Uh, thank you for your prayers, and may I say thank you for those of you that help us financially. And as we uh, are in this new year, I do want to say thank you so much to those of you that have just recently uh, sent uh, some offerings in for the broadcast. And I want you to know, and I'm, and you know who, who I'm talking to, I want you to know that without your support, I could not keep the radio ministry going. And so thank you, and I want you to know that you are a vital part of this radio ministry, and so may God richly bless you, and I know that he will reward you, not only in the, in the life to come, amen, at the judgment seat of Christ, but I believe God will bless you and reward you now for what you're doing uh, for the glory of God. I do cover your prayers. You pray for my wife and I as uh, we travel, <clears throat> and if you are a first-time listener, this is Keith Allison. I am doing the work of an evangelist out of Demarest, Georgia, and so we covet your prayers as we try to carry the gospel and do the Lord's work in these last days. I want to remind you, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that I have my new book out now, and the title of the book is Discerning the Times. Uh, the subtitle is Identifying Where We Are in Prophecy, and so this is a a paperback, 133-page book on prophecy, and uh, as the title uh, uh, intimate, uh, as the title uh, talks about discerning the times, what I do in in the study is we identify where we are at in the prophecies in the Word of God, and we look at the world, we look at the church, we look at the nation of Israel. Uh, we look at the times of the Gentiles. Uh, we, we look at a world at war and all these things. And I know just recently, uh, Iran has been in the news and, of course, Russia and Israel. And uh, you'll find a chapter in my little book uh, on all of that, on a world at war. And I show in the Word of God where that there will be a day when Russia, uh, accompanied by Iran, and Turkey and some other nations will actually rise up and come down against the nation of Israel. And I'll give you that prophecy right out of the Word of God, and you can read that in this book. And so we are making the book a book available. Uh, uh, you can call me or write or text me, or you can order from scripturetruth.com and if you'll go to my website, KeithAllisonMinistries.com, you can click on to the link at Scripture Truth and order the book. I'm hoping at the time that this broadcast airs that it will be fixed on both websites, theirs and mine, to where you can order. But I have already had people just simply call me and request the book, and of course I'll drop it in the mail. 
but uh, we would love to be able to send you the book. It is $8 plus shipping and handling. And so uh, if you would be interested in the book, you can call, you can text, you can email, or either you can even write. And we'll, we'll do our best. And again, uh, just check with my website, and as soon as it gets uh, posted, then you can order using your debit or credit card uh, from scripturetruth.com. And so we're excited to make that offer. And uh, it'll be, it's outlined well and alliterated, and it is a great tool for pastors to use in teaching on the subject and possibly preaching through as a series, and it is laid out well for that. And then, of course, remember I have other books as well that I trust would be a blessing and a help if you could use them. But you'll find them on my website at KeithAllisonMinistries.com. And again, at the end of the program, I'll give you a phone number, an address, my email uh, uh, address, and so you can write or call or email, and we'd love to hear from you. And so please keep us in your prayers. All right, I'm going to be reading today uh, out of the book of Ephesians in chapter number 2, and I want to begin with verse number 8, and then I'm going to be looking at several different places in the Bible, and I will probably take this broadcast and one more broadcast, probably do two different broadcasts on this subject. What happens when someone is saved? What happens when someone is saved? Now, if you are saved, if you have been born again, then I know that you probably know all these things that I'm going to be talking about. But let me say it this way. When I got saved when I was eight, uh, 17 years old, when I uh, accepted the Lord and was born again, when I got saved, I really didn't realize all that had happened to me until I began to study the Bible and begin to grow in my faith and hear preachers preach and people teach about what benefits that I had received from being born again. And so you may know that you are saved and you may have that experience and you may have the witness of the Spirit of God in your heart and you know that you are born again, but you may not be able to phrase all the different uh, uh, blessings and benefits that have been afforded you because you are saved. And so what I want to do is I want us to look at maybe about seven different things that happened to us when we got saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we all know that it is by grace, through faith, amen, that we are saved by the grace and the goodness of God. It's not of works, the Bible said, lest any man should boast. And I feel sorry for those people today who in their denomination and in their, their, their articles of faith they believe that they must work 
themselves to get to heaven. And may I say, friend, that self-righteousness is not enough. You're not going to go to heaven on self-righteousness because we're all sinners. You're not going to go to heaven and you're not saved by joining a church or being baptized or any of those things, but you are saved by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, by having the new birth, amen. Now, when you think about being saved, the Bible uses several different terms that would be synonymous with that term of being saved. For instance, in John 1, 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So receiving him is synonymous with being saved. In John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now listen, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you see, whosoever believeth in him is synonymous with being saved. Peter in Acts 2.38, when the people cried out, what must we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. And of course, that repentance is synonymous with being saved. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And let me say this, I know you do not hear much about repentance today, but I do not believe that a man or woman is saved unless they repent. And repentance means that they are changing their mind about their sin, about their self. They are coming into an agreement with God against their own self. And then the Bible said, in Acts 16.31, when the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. So the, they're saying, Believe. And again, that word believe is, used, is being used synonymously uh, for the term being saved. And Jesus said in John 3.7, You must be born again. And again, that is a term that is synonymous with being saved. Paul, uh, preaching in Acts 17.30, said that God commendeth all men everywhere to repent. And he's using that phrase, repent, there, in, in, again, in the context, synonymously with being saved. Paul said in Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, he said, thou shalt be saved. And so that confession and that believing is being saved. In our text in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thank God for being saved. Amen. In 1 Peter 1, 23, Peter said, Being born again, uh, friend, uh, by the word of God, being born again, Listen, we're, we're not saved by uncorrupt or, or by corruptible things, but we're saved, we're born again by the Word of God. Amen. That born again is synonymous with being saved. In James 1.18, James said, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. And that word begat is talking about being saved. And then Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, 
he made the statement how you turn to God from idols. And that turning to God from idols, again, is synonymous with being saved. The Paul wrote to Titus and said that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So all of these phrases, received him, believeth in him, repent, believe on the Lord Jesus. You must be born again. Confess with thy mouth, believe in thine heart. For by grace are ye saved, being born again. Of his own will begat he us, how ye turn to God, amen, and how that we have been washed and renewed by the Holy Ghost. All of these are biblical terms that basically mean that a person is saved that way. So I'm preaching on what happens when someone is saved. And may I say again, salvation is not church membership. Salvation is not baptism. Salvation is not, friend, turning over a new leaf in life. Salvation is a divine work of God that is wrought in the heart and soul by the Spirit of God, it is a new birth. It is becoming something that you were not uh, prior to that conversion moment that you have. You see, it takes the Spirit of God to convict a person that they are lost and in need of a Savior. And then when that person believes and exercises faith, then it takes the Spirit of God to bring about that spiritual conversion, and it is a real event in the heart and the life of that believer. It is not just, it is not just some theological term. It is not some uh, religious term. It is not some catch phrase that we use, but just as a baby is born to its mother and dad in the hospital, amen, in the delivery room, that is an actual event, that is a natural event where the natural process of conception and that baby being developed and then being born, that is a natural process of the conception and birth of a child. And so when somebody gets saved in the spiritual realm, it is a natural process, a natural process of the working of the Holy Ghost on the heart of a sinner with the Word of God and bringing that person into a state of conversion, into a state of being born again, of something that they had not been in before. Amen. So salvation is a wonderful thing. I want to ask you right now, are you saved? Was there a time, has there been a time in your life when you remember on, on your knees and on your face before God saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner I want you to forgive me. I want you to save me. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Come into my heart. Make a new person out of me. 
Has there ever been a time when you were really broken in your heart over sin and the fact that you were a sinner and on your way to hell? If there's not, then friend, you're not saved. And I know that every person's conversion experience may differ in the aspect of everybody is a different individual and their emotional reaction may be different, but there's some things that are going to be the same in everybody. Everybody that is saved realizes that they are lost and that they need a Savior. In other words, if you're holding on to self-righteousness, if you're holding on to the fact that you think you're good and that you think you're all right, then you're not saved. Friend, salvation, a friend comes to the sinner when the sinner realizes that he is spiritually bankrupt, that he is a wicked sinner before God and needs the righteousness of God imputed and imparted to him. So salvation is such a wonderful thing. It's necessary to be in the family of God. You're saved. You're born into the family. I got into the Allison family by being born into the family. I got into the family of God by being born into the family of God. And I have characteristics and traits of my mother and father, and genetically, uh, you would find that their DNA and my DNA would match because I am a product of their union, of their coming together. And the Christian, a friend, genetically, he is a byproduct of the coming together of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in the heart of that sinner. Amen. It is a work of God. It is not psychological. It is not mental. It is not, dear friend, a, some religious exercise or, 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 or format that you go through. It is a natural birthing process brought about by the Spirit of God bringing that sinner into the family of God. And if you've ever experienced it, you know you've got it. Amen? Thank God I'm saved. What a blessing it is to stand in the house of God sometimes and just say, I would like to say, and I'd like to testify that I thank God for saving me. Friend, has it occurred to you that God has saved you from your sin, that God has saved you and you do not have to die and go to hell? Has it ever occurred to you that God has fit you for heaven? Amen. Well, I tell you, I feel like preaching a little bit now. So what happens when someone is saved? I want to give you seven things. Again, I'm not going to finish today. You'll need to come back next week. But in Ephesians chapter number one in verse number seven, the Bible said, in whom we have redemption. And that word means to purchase. Jesus paid a legal debt, a legal debt that you and I owed because of sin. Jesus redeemed us. How? Through his blood, in whom we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
And I say, number one, when God saved you, God forgave you of your sins. Hallelujah. When a person is saved, God forgives them of their sin. You see, sin is what alienated us from God. The fact that we are born a sinner. You, you commit actions of sin because you are a sinner by nature. And as we come into this world with a sin nature, then because of our sin nature, we are sinners. And because of that sin, we stand in, in opposition to God. We stand alienated from God. We stand under the curse of the law. We stand under the condemnation of God because of our unrighteousness and our wickedness. Isn't it amazing? You don't hear many people talk about how wicked people are anymore. And may I say, friend, the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful and desperately wicked, the Bible says. Oh, my, but when God saves a man, he forgives him of his sin. Isn't that amazing? Friend, when I was saved at 17, everything that I had ever done, Everything that I had ever said, everything that I had ever thought, all of my sin, friend, all of the, the depravity, all of my sin, the actions that I had committed and the things that I did not do that I should have done, God forgave me of all of that because I was now saved. So God forgives us of our sin. You say, preacher, how can he do that? He doesn't sweep our sin under the rug. Our sin was paid for in the person of Jesus Christ. The only way that God can forgive you is for your sin to be dealt with. You see, the Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then he said, being justified, Romans 3.24, being justified freely, it didn't cost us anything. Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. You see, Jesus died. The Bible said, For God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank God. Hallelujah, friend. God forgave us our sins on the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You see, the price that it took to redeem us was the precious blood of Christ. He lived a sinless life. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect substitute. He knew no sin. He did no sin. And so he was the only one that was qualified to die in our place as our substitute. And God took our sins and put it over on his son. And God judged his son in our stead. And our sins were judged at Calvary in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ so that when we trust him, we can be forgiven and then the righteousness of Christ is therefore imputed unto us. And so when God sees us, he doesn't see us in our sin, but he sees us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel I'm preaching to you today. 
And sadly, we don't hear gospel preaching like this as much as we used to. But this is the type of preaching that God uses to save sinners. And it's the type of preaching we got to have, amen. So what happens? Number one, God forgave us our sin. Friend, I'm not going to stand as a sinner at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to stand as a son of God, as a servant of God. But my sins were judged at Calvary. I'm not going to the judgment seat to determine whether or not I am saved. I am saved and that's why I'm going to the judgment seat because only the lost people are going to go to the great white throne judgment. Number two, God not only forgave us of our sin, but number two, when you got saved, God cleansed you from your sin. You, you say, well, isn't that the same thing? Oh, no. The cleansing from our sin is different than the forgiveness of our sin. I liken it to this. Several years ago when the, when the hurricane, uh, when, when that uh, hurricane swallowed up uh, uh uh, down in Louisiana, New Orleans, and all of that was underwater. And they showed the boats going up and down the streets, and they were talking about how the, the sewers had run over, and there were dead animals in the water, and they were snakes and alligators in the water, and all of that sewer. They were talking about how filthy all of that was, and the people that were rescuing people, they would be people waiting in that water and in that mess and people would be in boats or helicopters and they would rescue them and they would pull them out of that. Friend, that murk and that mire and that filth, that's where we were at as sinners when God saved us. He delivered us out of that. He forgave us our sin. He took us out of that. But when they brought those people out of that, that putrid water and all of that filth, then those people... They were delivered from it. That was their deliverance. But yet they had to be cleansed. They had to go somewhere and take a good shower and get all of that off of them and all of it washed off of them and they could get all of that cleansed off of them. And so when God saves us, he doesn't just deliver us up out of the, mire, the muck and the mire of sin. He does not just pull us up out of the filth of the sin that we were in. But according to Revelation 1.5, he washed us, the Bible said, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, now watch, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He didn't, he listened, he not only loved us, but he said he washed us. And this goes back into the Old Testament to what would be called a, like a ceremonial cleansing. And in the writer of Hebrews in chapter number 9 had this in mind when he said, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now watch, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh. You see, what they would do was they would take the ashes of that red heifer 
and they would take the blood of bulls and of goats and they would take that and they would sprinkle those people that were ceremonially unclean and this cleansing would then fit them again uh, to be able to offer their sacrifices and fit them again for the ceremonial worship of God. And sin had so defiled us and so corrupted us and so stained us that when God saved us, we had to be cleansed, we had to be washed, and he said, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You see, friend, when God saved me, he did not just do that as a judicial act in heaven, but that saving work had a, had a cleansing of my mind and of my soul so that I would feel cleansed in my very soul, thank God. Well, I'm only going to get these two today. Number one, God forgave us of our sin. Number two, God cleansed us from our sin. If you'll come back, Lord willing, next week, we'll finish this message on what happens when someone is saved. This is Evangelist Keith Allison. You can... Go to my website, KeithAllisonMinistries.com. You can email me at KeithAllisonMinistries at gmail.com. You can write P.O. Box 312, Cornelia, Georgia, 30531. You can call area code 706-968-1182. And please request my new book, uh, Discerning the Times, a little book on prophecy. Until next time, keep looking up, for Jesus is coming soon. 97.5 Glory FM is WGTJ Murrayville, Gainesville, and W248DL Murrayville, Gainesville.